powerful words of Mr. Murray Holder. It's Christmas! So, in this week's bumper edition of Chatterbox, the podcast all about British TV, we'll be looking at the biggest shows and movies available during the festive fortnight, as well as giving you a sneak peek at what lies ahead in early January, and an insight into our own viewing habits during the past 12 months. So I'm Sarah Morgan, and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas that includes watching It's a Wonderful Life, the ultimate festival film, festival, festive film even, for the hundredth time. And joining me are Roger Crow. Hello, I'm Roger, and my favourite festive favourites are Morgan Wise Christmas specials and 007 films on Christmas Day. And Chris Daniel. And I don't have any festive favourites, <laughs> um, but I do like watching a lot of sport over the Christmas period as a rule, um, so I'll probably watch quite a bit of football and a lot of basketball on Christmas Day itself. Excellent. Mm. Okay, there's a, as usual, there's a, a bumper amount of programmes on this Christmas. Um, lots of big dramas, that kind of thing, some comedies. So we'll, we'll make a start on Sunday the 22nd on BBC One at 9pm. And that's yet another version of A Christmas Carol. This time from Stephen Knight, the guy behind Peaky Blinders and Taboo. And I know you, Roger, are looking forward to this. I am, yeah. I think it'd be interesting. I, uh, I wouldn't have put Guy Pearce as Ebenezer Scrooge. No. Uh, that's quite an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> but yeah, quite, the, guy is, the guy, no pun intended, is quite versatile. Unless you actually watch uh, that awful Pierce Brosnan film I saw the other day, just spinning that. Forget that. <laughs> Avoid that like the plague, even though Guy was quite good in it. But I think the team on this, because it's Ridley Scott, it's uh, Tom Hardy, Stephen Knight, who all worked on Taboo, which was one of my favourite shows of recent years. Are they producing it rather? Yeah, than, yeah. Uh, Steve Knight's uh, written it as well, so it should be uh, very interesting, um, having that, that merry band together. But it's going to be very down and dirty and gritty, and if you've seen Taboo, which, like I say, is just a phenomenal piece of work, then I think uh, you know, you'll know what to expect. But uh, Christmas Carol, easily one of the greatest stories ever told, and uh, I never tire of uh, seeing interesting new versions of it. So. Have you seen any clips or trailers for this at all? I've seen a trailer, mm. but that's all. Yeah, yeah so. I saw that as well. I thought it looked pretty good, actually. Quite yeah. spooky, you know. It'd be very stylish. Well, it's a mm. story. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I tend to think of it as more like a kid's thing. You, see, you know, certainly the adaptations that you see. Yeah. I think this will be very much an adult thing. Mm. Uh, I, I think so, Just yeah. considering the guys that are in it, they're not the guys. Doing the guys. It. The guys, <laughs> the guys uh, doing, doing it, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're very much more in terms of sort of 50s to pick it upwards. Mm. But we'll see. I mean, it might be a proper family fun, although judging by one of the billings, I doubt it. No, <laughs> no I, I think it's going to be... I, I think, you know, when you look at what Stephen Knight's done in the past, it's going to be a really sort of gritty yeah. take on it, isn't it? It's not going to be, you know, like a family thing at all. No. And well, it's on at nine o'clock as well, so yeah. of course Which, if anything, might actually get me to watch it. If it just been another retelling of it, I don't really care to be honest. <laughs> well, well, that's <laughs> interesting, because um, me and Roger had a bit of a conversation yeah. about it earlier, where I said, I'm not interested in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like that's going to be a bit different, so I'll give it 10 to 15 minutes, and if it's worth sticking with it. I think it's safe to say that in a thousand years, time when everything's dust and you know there's uh, life forms in jars you know brains <laughs> in tanks they'll still be watching versions of uh, a christmas carol you know whether it's projected onto their brain stems or whatever <laughs> okay so that's christmas carol that's sunday the 22nd on bbc one at 9 p.m um well this next one couldn't be more different i think it's the goes wrong show that's on monday the 23rd on bbc one at 7 30 p.m in fact it's the first of six 30 minute plays and I don't know if you've heard of the play that goes wrong, yeah. which has been a it's been a West End smash hit and it's been on tour and been really successful. Yeah, and okay. it, it is basically what it sounds like, um, a, a 
cast of characters are putting on like an amateur dramatics thing and everything goes wrong in it. Yeah. Now I went to see it. I wasn't convinced that I was going to like it. In fact, I kind of thought this is going to be awful. Yeah. But I have never laughed as much yeah. in my life. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's it's so brilliantly put together, so clever. Everything is quite intricate in mm. what happens and the stunts in it. Mm. So if this is even only half as good as that, then yeah. it's it's going to be well worth watching. Yeah. It'll be really good. I was in the stage show twice, and JJ uh, Abrams is doing a film version of that. Should be interesting, mm-hmm. but they also did um, a thing that I saw earlier in the year. I think it's called Comedy About Bank Robbery, and that is phenomenal. Oh, is it, isn't that just bank robbery that goes wrong? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and there's some of the stunts in it are just out of this world, and there are some, again some laugh out loud funny moments. So they did a thing uh, maybe three or four years ago on Radio Two, Christmas around about Christmas Day. Uh, that didn't really work so the mechanics of it are, are very visual if you try and do it as an audio thing it just sounds like bad radio um, so but I think this will be really interesting I'm looking forward to it yeah absolutely so this is the Goes Wrong show Monday the 23rd BBC One at 7.30 that's the first episode yeah so the six of them are they on subsequent nights or is it across um, do you know what I'm not sure I think it's on over the fortnight itself oh right okay yeah mm. so next up again we're going dark this is Martin's Close. It's on Christmas Eve on BBC Four at 10pm. Now, back in the 70s, there used to be a, a sort of occasional series called Ghost Story for Christmas. Mm. And it was usually adaptations of M.R. James stories. Um, and then in the 20th century, that's kind of been revived a, a little bit. Uh, we've had A View from a Hill, room, is it Room 13 or Number 13? And uh, Mark Gatiss did one a couple of years back as well, his name escapes me, and he's, he's also involved in this, Martin's Close, he's written and directed this, another M.R. James story. Yeah. Um, and it's got Peter Capaldi in it, he's the main star, it's set in 1684, and it's about a guy who's on, he's on trial for his life, he's accused of murder, but has he actually murdered somebody because he keeps seeing the person that he's supposed to have killed. Right, okay. So good. I'm quite excited about this because I've read all of Ben R. James's ghost stories and they're all they're, they're kind of the best of their kind. Mm. Like, yeah, it should be good. I mean, you know, you can't go far wrong with uh, Gassis. He's an absolute wonder. Wonder, I think. And uh, Capaldi's great, and it's nice now that I think the dust settled after Doctor Who, but he's doing a few more little bits and bobs. Yeah, inevitably. He loves the parting anyway. He's got one of those massive sort of Regency wigs. Yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong there. So that's Martin's Close. That's on Christmas Eve on BBC Four at ten pm, and then on to Christmas Day itself, BBC One eight thirty pm. This is probably the biggest show I would have thought of in the entire yeah. fortnight, and it's the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special. Uh, Chris is not no. pleased about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Are people really actually excited about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Like, yeah. Uh, not least because I saw the 2008 uh, Christmas special uh, last week, which I hadn't seen since it was last on. Mm. And uh, I can't believe, what, 11 years has gone by since then? That's insane. Because mm. I remember writing a piece on it and watching the preview thing at work and getting super excited then and watching it and thinking, yeah, this is great. And then thinking, yeah, but this will have dated, it will be, won't be as funny, and it was still 100% brilliant. Mm. So hopefully they'll manage to uh, sustain that level of interest. Yeah, that's the worry, isn't it? Yeah. After a big gap, when something comes back, you can't always guarantee that it's going to be as good as what you remembered it. I'm, I'm slightly concerned about it because I don't want, I'm going to watch it, 
but I like the original series and I don't want to be disappointed by this in yeah. case it kind of colours my feelings about the original I think book. what I love about it it's, uh, it's on the surface it's quite wholesome classic British sitcom but it's got a really dark mm. underbelly and well the fact that they're called Shipman and, and West, West which is great <laughs> named after murderers yeah so you know <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting because when it first came out it was on BBC Three uh, where they could get away with that sort of thing um, and then of course uh, everyone just lapsed it up and it went to BBC One but they still managed to have that sort of dark vein of uh, black comedy going on to the surface which I really love and that's what and the, and the fact that the cast and crew is just fantastic really you know so uh, really looking forward to that yeah so that's the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special on Christmas Day on BBC One at 8.30pm and I can tell looking at Chris's face we haven't convinced him no I think I'd sooner set my TV on fire actually <laughs> oh, <laughs> you might enjoy it <laughs> not, not so <laughs> <laughs> right moving on then to Boxing Day also BBC One you might you may see a pattern emerging here because BBC really do dominate I think mm. ITV have kind of given up this year yeah haven't they just given up in general ITV um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you're right um, anyway Boxing Day BBC One 6.20pm and Friday the 27th at 7pm there's a two part adaptation of Wurzel Gummidge by Mackenzie Crook that'll give you nightmares won't it yeah well I mean I grew up watching the John Pertwee version yeah, which me too. I, you know, I, I used to watch every episode religiously as a kid mm. and yeah I was terrified by yeah. it because he, he could swap his own head yeah. and every time he can't, it was like a twisting motion and when he was taking his head off and putting the other one on I found that absolutely terrifying yeah <laughs> but uh, it was classic Sunday afternoon entertainment and uh, it went on, went on for a few years the fact they've not really shown it I don't think lately no on terrestrial channels is interesting but a little sidebar to that is the fact that uh, a lot of the effects crews that worked on Lord of the Rings um, started their careers working on Wurzel Gummidge. Oh, really? <laughs> when, they were, when they shot it in Australia, yeah. uh, guys like Richard Taylor, Sir Richard Taylor, uh, that's where he cut his teeth, uh, working on Wurzel Gummidge. Cool. So Mackenzie Crook, anyway, he's playing Wurzel this time, the scarecrow that comes to life, in case you're unfamiliar with it. Um, and he's also written it and he's directing it. Yeah. Um, and it looks kind of, from the trailers, it looks like a kind of cross between his series, Detectory, a cross between Detectorists and uh, The Wicker Man. <laughs> 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 you can imagine that. Um, it, to me, it looks great because it's got that kind of folk horror aspect to it. Mm. So it, it could be one of those things that the parents really like but yeah. kids are like I was when I was little utterly terrified by because some of the some of the sort of scarecrows and what that in it are quite grotesque yeah. mm. you always need a bit of darkness in kids dramas I think as Disney know really well because it's like you need that kind of go to, to that dark place to come out of the light you know back to the light but if it's too much um, obviously they're going to turn off but we'll see you know it's yeah. uh, it could yeah. be handled with a kind of carry on theme in the background. Well, that's room. it, isn't it? Yeah, there could be swan whistles and all sorts da, of things. Da, 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 da. I got my silly head on my fanny. So, um, also, Michael Palin pops up in it. He's, oh, isn't enough to tune in. Well, exactly. Um, there's no Crow Man this time, he's called the Green Man. I don't know whether yeah, that's, that's from right. the original books mm. by Baru from Todd or if that's a there's only, there's only one crow man in it and I'm speaking right now. And then we got the call, so therefore I'm And on that note, uh, all Gummies, that's on Boxing Day and Friday the 27th on BBC One. So 
Next up is Thursday, well, also Boxing Day, Channel 5 at 9pm, Susan Hill's Ghost Story. Now, I've thrown that in there because Christmas obviously seems to be a bit of a ghost story mm. type of a time. Um, but also because Channel 5 have actually come up with a, an original drama. Wow, that's rare. Yeah, exactly. So I thought it was noteworthy enough to put in. Mm -hmm. um, if you're unfamiliar with Susan Hill, she's the writer of The Woman in Black. Yeah. Um, so she's got quite a good sort of pedigree with spooky stories. Yeah. Um, this is an adaptation of her novel, The Small Hand. And Douglas Henshaw stars him as an antique book dealer who finds himself haunted by the ghost of a young boy. Right. And bizarrely, it's inspired by a true story that happened to one of Hill's friends. Oh, okay. It, it, I read somewhere that she'd, um, this friend of hers was in a museum in Cairo, I think, mm. and he was in the, he was looking at the exhibits on his own, and he felt somebody come and take his hand, oh, like a child sure. take oh, his hand. Oh, creepy. And he thought, oh, it's, it was little kids lost or whatever. And when he looked down, there was nobody there. Uh, so she took, <laughs> took that initial idea and yeah, good idea. expanded on it. So I'm, I'm quite excited by this anyway. I'm quite intrigued to see whether Channel 5 can actually do something decent. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, you know, some of their documentaries are fantastic. There's some of the stuff they've been doing with Ben Fogel lately has been great. So, you know, but when it comes to one off dramas, they're so, so few and far between. Aren't they? Yeah, they've had an Agatha Christie thing out recently. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they if they've actually produced it or if it's something that they bought in from somewhere else. Oh, it could be. Yeah. Uh, I think sure. the Agatha Christie things that they've had on before have been actually American. Yeah. Series. So. But yeah, standalone Channel Five uh, dramas are few and far between. So. They are indeed. So give Susan Hill's Ghost Story on Boxing Day at nine pm a go. Mm. Uh, next up on Sunday the 29th on BBC One at nine pm, there's the trial of Christine Keel. This is the first in a new series. If you've seen the film Scandal, the yeah. late 80s movie about the Profumo affair, um, this is it's basically the same story, but you'll get a lot more detail because it's obviously spread out across mm. several hours instead of you know just a couple. Yeah. Um, so it's about if if you're unfamiliar with the Profumo scandal, it's but he was a conservative minister, and he had an affair with a model, and it threatened to bring down the government because she was also involved with a. Of supposedly a Soviet spy mm. um, and in the early 60s so it looks really good it looks like they've thrown a lot of money at this actually the BBC mm. um, it's Sophie Cookson and Ben Miles who are playing the two main protagonists but it's also got James Norton Amelia Fox and Anton Lesser in it Right. I love Anton Lesser I think he's fantastic I, so. I thought he died <laughs> I know the knives, but it's. Uh, yeah, Anton, I, I, can think of Anton Anton <laughs> I think Anton Diffin's definitely, definitely yeah, dead, yeah. And Anton Rogers. <laughs> yeah, he's dead as well. He's dead. Um, yeah, so that's The Trial of Christine Keeler. That's on Sunday the 29th on BBC One at 9 pm. Then we move on to New Year's Eve, also on BBC One at 9.05 pm. And Dame Edna Rules the Waves. Fantastic. So Barry Humphreys, who seems to have been threatening to retire. Dame Edgarvish for years. Yeah. Uh, he's back as Dame Edgarvish. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, Christmas is enthusiastic <laughs> again. Yeah, this is the best we can do with Christmas and New uh, Year. <laughs> Dame Edna's an absolute masterpiece. I mean, it's been going forever, hasn't it, that Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe about 30 or 40 years ago, but not now, surely. I, I would say Barry Humphries is one of the greatest comedians that's still alive. Yeah, hands down. So. Absolute genius. I, th I think the fact that you don't see him or her on TV yeah. every week. Yeah. 
I think that means that it's perfectly acceptable for him to come back once in a blue moon. Because I, I mean, I don't know when the last time is that I've actually seen. I don't think anyone David puts Edna. people down so kindly better than Barry Humphreys or Dame Edna. <laughs> and just a purse lip from Dame Edna can have me in hysterics for five minutes. <laughs> she did a great. That clever. She did a great interview with Sean Conner Connery in like the late eighties, yeah. early nineties, where he just kept saying I was born in nineteen thirty, <laughs> and she was so obviously bored. He was like, he couldn't speak. I think Harry Hill's got that same ability to just you know you really use the camera and the TV yeah. medium. Uh, and it's all about the pauses and the looks, the camera and the size, and it's just perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So, God help Sharon Osborne, Rob Rinder, Emily Atak, Nile Rogers, uh, because they're all on the show. <laughs> so, they're going to be subjected to uh, sort of psychological torture, probably. Yeah, be fun. <laughs> oh, and Anita Brown is on it, and Rick Stein, and Rudolph Walker, and it's Joe Sugg. Right. So I think the only people who are not on it are, are us three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's only a Once Dame Edna hears this podcast, blimey, we'll get a call. <laughs> Phone will be ringing off the hook. So that's Dame Edna Rolls the Waves on New Year's Eve on BBC One at 9.05pm. Now, there was a time, not so long ago, when Doctor Who was a Christmas Day staple. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? But the last couple of years, it's uh, it seems to now be a New Year's Day one. Do you think that's a ratings thing, or are they just want to do a fresh angle on it, I guess, maybe? I don't know. I, th I think there's, I say there's less competition on New Year's Day, but actually there's no competition on Christmas Day either. Yeah, it's interesting, but isn't it? It's a weird one, really. But anyway, the, the new series is back on New Year's Day on BBC One at 6.55pm, so this is Jodie Whittaker's second series yeah. as the Doctor. Um, and this time she's enlisted by MI6 to help the Earth when it comes under attack from aliens. Mm. But the big talking points are that Stephen Fry and Ronnie Henry are guest starring. Yeah, should be fun. So I think that's quite interesting. I'm, I must admit that I'm a really massive fan of the classic Doctor Who mm. series and the the new run from 2005 onwards. <coughs> I've kind of stuck with it, but my interest is waning yeah. somewhat, I think it's fair to say. I, I agree. I, it's not made for me anymore. I've got to, I've got to yeah, realise that. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's one of those shows that, uh, you know, it can have 16 years off of whatever it was, came back better than ever in a way, certainly in terms of the uh, special effects and the cast, you know, were, were great. And, the, and it properly looked like a movie, which I think it... That, you know, fans had wanted it to look as epic as, as Star Wars, but they never had the money. And mm -hmm. then suddenly digital effects take off and it's, you know, effects packages are suddenly affordable again. And uh, for my money, Tenant was just hands down the best one. Oh, it's ever. just been brilliant, yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, and as much as I love Jodie Whittaker, um, I don't think they've quite got the balance right yet. I think she's got far too many uh, supporting characters orbiting around her. Uh, if it's just her and Bradley Walsh, great, fine. Uh, I don't think you need the two. They're okay. But I just, that guy, just... Is he supposed to be from Sheffield? Mm. They don't sound like me, do they? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's all right, but he's just a bit wooden for me. They sound a bit like Anne Hathaway doing a Yorkshire accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only, then I'd probably listen to it a bit more. But uh, I, th I didn't, it didn't mind last year, so it was alright. It's just alright. Yeah, it's just okay. That's the problem. I've never so. been able to get into it. I didn't watch it when I was a kid. And then yeah. when they did ring it back in 2005, every time there's been a new Doctor, I've tried to get into it each time. And I can't last more than two episodes, I just yeah. don't like it. 
I've loved uh, Doctor Who since I was a kid like you Sarah but um, I think uh, whether they need to have a bit more of a break maybe a couple of years off or, or what I don't know just make maybe like a film or something just mm. do something a bit different I, I think probably the best thing to do is just to make it as an adventure and mm. stop having a backstory for yeah. every single character the through line and, yeah. the character the arc he never it used to he never had that so it was just the adventure yeah. of the of the, well, I'm going to say of the week but it would usually last four episodes on average mm. and I think that's another thing that it misses in that there's usually no cliffhanger because mm. it doesn't the story doesn't carry on to the week after right. so in the olden days it would end after half an hour and then come back the next week yeah. and pick up with that having said that this new run does start with a two-parter right. so I'm hoping that the cliffhanger Works and that, and that encourages them to bring it back. Mm. And I don't want to scare you, but it's ten years since David Tennant bowed out. Of, no, of, that's terrifying. If yeah. you talk about time travel, where's that time gone? Mm. That last ten decade. I remember getting super excited on New Year's Day seeing that final episode, and it's something that I adore as well, just because it's. I watched Capaldi uh, final ep the other day, which I finished a couple of years ago, and it's just, just, just so empty. It's, mm. It's a shame because I think he deserved was the better. right man yeah. for the job, but the scripts let him down. Yeah, deserved better. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, you know, without going on about it too much, the the showrunner Steve Moffat was spreading himself too thinly, and he stayed in the job too long. But yeah, that's uh, by the by. Anyway, we'll keep our fingers crossed for the new run of Doctor yeah. Who, which starts on New Year's Day on BBC One at six fifty-five pm. And then, last but hopefully not least, it's Dracula, also on New Year's Day on BBC One at nine pm. And Roger just mentioned Stephen Moffat, and this is his latest project with Mark Gatiss. So it goes full circle again, doesn't it? Yeah. So they are obviously behind the, the revamp of Sherlock. Mm. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I absolutely it was love great. Which mm. I like, but I'm not as enthusiastic about it as a lot of people. This mm. is great. Um, Dracula the book, Bram Stoker's novel, uh, I'm an absolutely massive fan of, and I'm a massive fan of a lot of cinema versions of it film yeah. versions of it I haven't heard very good things about this no I saw a clip of it as well and it did look a bit mm. terrible a bit War of the Worlds <sighs> well I didn't watch that but I that's because really the, the, the trailer I saw that made that look awful as well oh, I watched oh, 10 that. minutes and the, the amount of bad reviews I heard about it I just didn't bother anything else mm. sadly yeah, in the clip I saw this Dracula, there was a few jokes which I think were supposed mm-hmm. to be funny and they just fell really, really flat. No, I've got a terrible feeling that it's going to be more like, oh, look at how clever we are, mm-hmm. rather than look at how good this story is. That's, that's what's worrying me. And Clace Bang, who's got a fantastic name, <laughs> Mr. Bang. <laughs> it sounds um, like a Bond villain. It sounds great. I think the guy that it should have got was Christoph Waltz, because he's just so charismatic and interesting, but obviously he was tied up doing Bond, I guess. Uh, and probably too expensive. Yeah, and way too expensive. Way, yeah. Can we get that double Oscar winner in? Yeah. <laughs> in charge of yeah, you know the guy who everyone in Hollywood wants. We, we can afford him for 10 minutes and that's it. <laughs> and know, he might be a bit short as well, actually, thinking about it. Ah, well, where there's that built up shit. When you think about who else has played Dracula, you know, it's people like Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Very, very tall person. John mm. Wayne was quite small, though, wasn't he? Mm. So, you know, <laughs> they, they just like, you know, make the make small, smaller sets, I suppose, you know, and have small actors like Tom Cruise just oh, no. orbiting oh, around. Can you imagine? Yeah. Anyway, yes, I've not heard good things about it, but I will be watching it. The good thing is that it's on on consecutive nights, yeah. so it gets it over with 
quickly if it's terrible. <laughs> I see. But if it if it's great, mm. then you can, you, you can whip through it yeah, and yeah, really still be excited it. about it. Well, so, I'm sure we'll have a post mortem on this in the new year, won't we? Yes. Yes, we will. As it will. Mm. <laughs> so that's Dracula on New Year's Day. BBC One at 9pm, right. also for two consecutive nights. 9pm makes it, sounds uh, obviously after the watershed, so it could be a bit... It's very gory. Is it right? very gory? Which is not mm. what bothers me about it. I'm mm. well used to that kind of thing, but yeah. yeah. The jokes. Mm. Yeah. Not mm. so sure. No. So, moving on to the best films of the fortnight, and after you know, I kind of slated... Christmas Carol, I have actually added in Scrooge, <laughs> which, is on, which is on Saturday the 21st on Channel 5 at 3.10pm, and it's also on good old Talking Pictures a couple of times, Christmas Day 5.15pm and Sunday the 29th at 11.45am, so there's really no excuse in missing this. This is the Alistair Sim version. This is the Alistair Sim version, which for me is the definitive right. take on the story. And not to be confused with Scrooge. Duh. Scrooge. Yeah, the Bill Murray one. Which Bill is Murray. also Which is what a great I was, film. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was hoping for as well. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is wonderful. I mean, Alistair Sim is just brilliantly cast mm. as Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, it's good. Um, and there's it's got a really great supporting cast. Mervyn Johns as Bob Cratchit. But right. then, you know, if you keep an eye out, Patrick McNee's in it. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael Horton is Jacob Marley. Just really good sort of British character actors. Yeah. And everything works about it. It's just a beautifully shot film, mm-hmm. beautifully put together. Performances are perfect. There's, there isn't a, a bum note in it. And I guess it's black and white. And, and it's black and white. And that's a, such a bonus, I think, so many times when they... Uh, I've got a feeling that there is a colourised version. There's a colourised version, version I think, because I, I vaguely remember looking through it on Amazon and seeing a colourised version um, a couple of years ago. I thought I'm not going anywhere. No. <laughs> no <I'm not. laughs> Toxic. <laughs> yeah. So that's Scrooge on Saturday on Channel 5 and on Talking Pictures on Christmas Day and Sunday the 29th. Also on Talking Pictures on Christmas Day at 7pm is The Amazing Mr. Blunden, which is a bit of a curiosity piece. It's, mm. sort of, it's another kind of ghost story. It's the gross ghost of Christmas TV past, isn't it? Really, it it is, yeah. It has popped up in recent years. It was last shown in 2016, which was the first time I've ever seen it, actually. Oh, right, but okay. people like Mark Gatiss have been bigging it up. Mm. Um, because it is, it is a really charming story. And again, lots of kind of really interesting British character actors in it. Uh, Lawrence Naismith is Mr. Blunden. Lynn Frederick, who was later married to Peter Sellers. Uh, and Diana Dawes is also yeah. in it, among, among others. And it's kind of an Edwardian story about a, a couple of kids who are visited by a solicitor. Um, and he, he offers their widowed mother a job as a caretaker at a derelict mansion. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, it's haunted. And that's where the, that's where the story begins. <laughs> yeah, if you were growing up in the era of three TV channels and no satellite or DVDs, you kind of got what you were given uh, back in the day. So Mr. Blunder was on seemingly every year at Christmas or thereabouts. And uh, I probably haven't seen it in 40 odd years, so I'll definitely give this another look. Excellent. So that's The Amazing Mr. Blunder on Christmas Day on Talking Pictures at 7pm. And another nostalgia trip for, well, certainly me and Raj probably, anyway, we'll have grown up watching Paddington animated oh. series as kids. I don't yeah. know if you did, Chris. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the first film version was brilliant, and the second ver- uh, film is on Unboxing Day on BBC One at 7.20pm, yeah. and I cannot wait. And you've this not seen a, it? I've not seen oh, it. This is my no. highlight of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think, for my money, it's one of the best British films ever made, and I know that's quite a, a tall order to you know match that, really, but it's... Um, it's so perfect on every level, from the casting and the effects to the music and the photography. And Hugh Grant, I think, was BAFTA nominated for this. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's one. Of, it's probably his greatest performance. He plays this kind of ham actor called Phoenix Buchanan, who's uh, may or may not be the villain of the piece. Couldn't <laughs> say. Um, and Ben Whishaw is just you know word perfect. The fact that Colin Firth was going to play Paddington at one point would would have been a massive mistake. And I'm really glad that he dropped out. So Whishaw just absolutely nails it. Um, and then the last 10 minutes just get a bo- big box of hankies because it's the most beautiful poignant touching edge of the seat uh, finale to any film since E.T. for my money you might tell that I'm a bit of a fan but <laughs> it's a yeah it's, it's wonderful absolutely wonderful brilliant so that's Paddington 2 on Boxing Day on BBC One at 7.20pm and if you're interested in that you'll probably also be interested in Paddington the Man Behind the Bear which is on on the same night on BBC Two at 9pm which is about the guy who wrote the books, Michael Bond. Yeah, and the fact it's a British film as well. I mean, it's you know, it's it's lovely really that uh, Paul King, who directed it, is uh, such a talented guy. And this is the guy that cut his teeth on the Mighty Boosh, quite, quite really? avant-garde alternate comedy like that. You know, it's uh, yeah, but there's kind of a slightly sort of nost- nostalgic cuddly feel to yeah. the Mighty Boosh as well. So the whimsicalness of it, you yeah. know, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, and also there's a Hugh Grant A Life on Screen documentary on Monday the 23rd on BBC Two at 9pm so obviously the BBC's going big on Paddington this year I might have to watch that tonight because I, I know that BBC previews have just put that up yes, on, their, yeah, on yeah. their website so I might yeah. give that an advance look if I can't wait so moving on, on Friday the 27th at BBC Two at 9.30pm there's the uh, premiere of The Limehouse Golem which is based on Peter Ackroyd's novel Dan Lino and the Limehouse Golem. And it's kind of a weird mix of fact and fiction. Mm. Dan Lino was a, a real person, and the, um, the, it's about a series of murders that take place, and he's a suspect, as is Karl Marx. Mm. And another guy whose name escapes me at the minute. But Bill Nye plays the Scotland Yard inspector who's trying to find out who did it. Mm. But originally it was going to be Alan Rickman, but um, he yeah, actually dropped right. out and he got pulled, unfortunately. Yeah. But, oh, no, Bill, Bill's pretty it's good. It's a fantastic replacement. If you're going to get anyone, get Bill Knight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, kind of spooky Victorian-era thriller. Mm. But I'm really looking forward to the Limehouse Golem. It's been on Netflix for a while, and I've never bothered watching it. Not just because I just thought, I just don't, don't think I can take that on board. I think so. reviews at the time were a bit mixed as well. They I mean, were a bit mm. mixed, but... I don't care, I'm going to give it a shot. That should be interesting. It it looks right up my street, to be honest. Yeah. So that's on Friday the 27th on BBC Two at 9.30pm. Then we move on to uh, probably the biggest blockbuster of the fortnight. That's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's on Saturday 28th. And at last, ITV are joining in the (laughs) fortnight. It's at 8.30pm. So this is obviously the sequel to the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Which I was quite surprised how much I liked. Yeah, I, I absolutely adore it. It's uh, one of my favourite films of the decade, without a doubt. Not least because well, the, the first one, obviously. First one, first yeah, one. First one. I, yeah. Weirdly, the day before my birthday in 2013, I was in London, you know, by the Millennium Bridge, mm. by the Tate. And we were just going into the Tate, and I thought, hang on a minute, 
they're making a film what they're making and at the time it, I think it was called something like Full Tilt or something like that mm-hmm. and I was like this isn't Full Tilt this is something else and I went up to one of the, one of the guys at the security and I said what are you making I said oh, it's called Full Tilt said, it's not is it and, I, and at the time no one really knew because me being a movie geek I thought hang on a minute are you making Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and it kind of looked a bit sheepish and I thought brilliant so I, uh, I filmed them uh, uh, the shooting that Sunday morning, just this crowd scene that you'll see in the last 10 minutes of the first one probably, and um, stuck it on a certain uh, file sharing site and it got a few thousand hits. And the second one uh, is terrific, I saw it a couple of times. It's not as good as the first. It's not, I mean, it's really funny. Yeah. I really like the actors, I really like yeah. the comedy in it. But yeah. the actual story itself is complete bobbins. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not. It's nonsense. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're coming here for the plot, don't. It's a bit. It's a bit. No, it's coming defi- here for Chris Pratt. Yeah. Oh, oh, Chris, well, Pratt, enough, yeah. Chris but, Pratt's terrific, and uh, yeah, David Batista right. is Drax as well, and yeah. obviously Rocket and Groot and all that type of stuff. It, it, hilarious, but just ignore the plot because the plot is stupid. And it's oh. quite mm-hmm. front loaded as well because the first ten minutes is fantastic, set to Mister Blue Sky. I think, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? Or, no, or, no, it's not that. Like, it's one of the ELO tracks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I shouldn't know because I've seen it two or three times. Now. But yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it, yeah. with um, Baby Groot? I think the biggest problem is that second act needed tightening up. Um, so, it, it, like you say, there's not enough story there. Although th- there are elements in this that pay off uh, in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so without giving anything away, there's, there's certain key elements. Like most films in the MCU over the last 11 years, that they've all been building up to Endgame. Which yeah. is going to be on Sky. I think the subtext for this one is all about family. So yeah. obviously the Guardians is their own family, and then um, I can't remember his name now, but obviously Chris Pratt's character is getting to know. He's Quill. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Star Lord. Yeah, yeah Star Lord. Yes, uh, he's getting to know his dad, who is Ego, the living planet. Yeah. So you know his dad is literally a planet. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then obviously there's all the things with like Gamora and her sister and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Well. So it is very, it's definitely about family and family conflicts and right. all that type of stuff. Well. So that element is good, but just like I said, the main plot just nonsense. It's it's, <laughs> the, it's the weakest link in the four films that have featured Guardians of the Galaxy. Put it that way. Mm. But having said that, but it's, it's still, still worth watching. Yeah, it is still hilarious yeah. as well, isn't it? Just, oh yeah, just Drax as well. Yeah. It really does make me laugh. <laughs> and you know, if you feel like special effects, there's some really inventive things that go on in here as well. And there's stuff with that button as well. It's like, don't push the button, don't push the button. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I will say, even with me saying, you know, the main plot is complete nonsense, it's stupid, it's bobbins. Even though I do own this on Blu-ray, if it's on TV, I will still watch it. Because yeah. <laughs> it is that funny. And there's some really touching moments as well. There's a bit with uh, the player Cat Stevens track at the end, which is lovely. I think one of the, one of the greatest assets with the Guardians films is the fact that the soundtrack grounds things mm. so it, you know there might be an outer space and there might be you know flying off to uh, that place nowhere which is this massive hollowed out skull where it's so outlandish but they've got such a wonderful soundtrack of, of all old classics you know that's what one of the reasons the first Guardians work definitely why this works mm. and like that like I say that first 10 minutes with that yellow track is an absolute sight to behold yeah excellent so that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Saturday 28th on ITV at 8.30pm. Now next up, we're kind of throwing three films together, um, starting with Saving Mr Banks, which is on Sunday the 29th on BBC 2 at 3pm, which is a sort of fictionalised version of um, the making of Mary Poppins. Mm. It's really great. It's Emma Thompson in it and Tom Hanks in yeah, it. Yeah, it's wonderful. And 
uh, I was really surprised how much I liked it. When yeah, I yeah same here. I think we maybe spoke about this maybe earlier in the year. Yeah. The two of you said yeah. to me that I should get around to watching it, and mm. I did. And I was really surprised how good it was and how much I liked it. I think yeah. my review five or six years ago when I first saw it was practically perfect in almost every way. <laughs> There's a few too many flashback scenes, but apart from that, it's, mm. it's a wonderful piece of work it, and again you'll need a, a box of hankies I think there's from what I remember there's a scene when um, Emma Thompson's picked up by the chauffeur you know just all he does yeah, is yeah. he drives to pick her up to yeah, take yeah. her to a premiere or something and I just remember filling up a bit because it was so good yeah Paul Giamatti is he yeah, yeah I think so. So. maybe Bradley Bradley what's his face Whitford is it I don't know oh he's in it I think isn't yeah. he yeah. so I think Paul Giamatti's the it's show. just great and yeah. it, it's great background for all those amazing songs in the original Mary Poppins you mm. know the guys that wrote it it's fantastic and Hanks as Disney, you know, yeah, can't go wrong with that. Perfect, perfect, perfect casting. Mm. So, if that then inspires you to watch the original Mary Poppins, the Julie Andrews film, that's on Sky Cinema Greats throughout the fortnight. Basically, yeah. if you just pick up your listings, Mag or whatever, you will find it. It's on, <laughs> exactly. it's on so often. Throw, throw a stone and you'll hit it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also premiering on Christmas Day at seven thirty a.m. 1.45pm and 8pm on Sky Cinema Premiere is Mary Poppins Returns yeah. which I've heard is all just okay yeah. but it's kind of Mary Poppins goes back to meet mm. um, the grown up version of the little lad from the arena it sounds actually. like a good idea I'm looking forward to it immensely because uh, you know it's uh, it's one of those films that everyone grew up with and when I heard they were you know doing a new version or a revamp or a sequel or whatever I thought oh, that's going to be interesting because I think the original was what 1964 yeah to leave it that long 65 there you go to leave it that long uh, between you know sequels is, is quite a thing but that's Disney I suppose they kind of mm. get to the point where it's like well they do the demographics and they look at all the stats and thinking this is a license to print money and getting Emily Blunt brilliant you can't really get that yeah I remember when she was first cast I thought that was as good as it could get really for a modern day to yeah yeah, and Lin Manuel Miranda, who is everywhere. I mean, he's the guy that created Hamilton, obviously, which was massive in, on the stage, and uh, was in, was rather good in uh, his dark materials on BBC One as well. Which, mm. uh, so yeah, he's in this as well, and, and Dick Van Dyke, obviously. Yeah, and um, it was sixty four. Sorry, Mary Poppins. Sound of Music sixty five. Um, I'm obsessed with Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm right in saying that Julie Andrews uh, was. Offered a part in it oh, as yeah. well as Dick Van Dyke, but she right. turned it down. Right. I think Angela Lansbury is Angela Lansbury in it. I think she, I think she is. Yeah. I think she was meant. I think Julie Andrews was meant to play that role. And uh, Ben Mishaw as well. Going back to Paddington. Yeah. He's in it as well, isn't he? And the mighty Meryl Streep. Oh, marvellous. Anyway, that's a big lump of Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mm. Everybody. Over well, worth watching. Time. It's almost like we took that lump out of her endlessly bottomless bag. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now moving on again. To Monday the 30th on BBC Two at 1pm and 3pm, there's a Billy Wilder double bill of The Apartment and Some Like It Hot. So if you've had enough of sort of lavish special effects laden blockbusters, yeah. yeah. then then this, these are the films. Yeah, we're going back to black and white classics here. Um, two of the finest comedies ever made, really. Yeah, bizarrely, I've never actually got around to watching them. Neither of them. Wow. I know. You've never seen something like it hot. I can understand the no. apartment. Well, well, I'm more interested in the apartment than in something ah, like okay. it hot, to be honest. Wow. Mm. Something like it hot is just, again, you know, going back to Paddington, in terms of Paddington hitting every mark and being perfect mm. start to finish. I think something like it hot is 
pretty darling yeah, guys as well. Yeah, it's really great. And Marilyn Monroe had never been sexier either. I mean, she's phenomenal to look at. She wears this dress that defies belief in one of the musical numbers. And you just go, how on earth do you get away with that? <laughs> you know, incredible. And Tony Curtis doing his uh, Cary Grant impression. Oh, yeah, he's great. And not to mention the greatest closing line in cinema history as well. Yeah. So you yeah. need to give that a look. And I've not seen The Apartment uh, for years. I saw it on a plane once. Isn't it like three hours long? Not that that matters. Well, it can't be if, it, if the double bill starts at one and then the second film's on at three. I just very <laughs> remember it going on for a while. But, uh, it isn't as Maybe you crossed a few times on while he was in the air. Yeah, I just thought, wow, this is a quite long film. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe I fell asleep and it started again or something. But so what's yeah. the plot for these two then for anyone who, right, well, the, who hasn't seen them? The apartment, it's um, Jack Lemmon who plays a sort of ambitious but slightly hopeless clerk. And he lends his boss his flat so that he can have affairs in it, basically. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, Jack Lemon's fallen in love with uh, a girl at work played by Shirley MacLaine, and then he discovers that she's one of the girls that's been going there, and mm. things happen. <laughs> so it's basically about their relationship and will they want they get together. And yeah. But it's a lot more subtle and quite moving as well in places. It's not all gags it's, it's mm. really quite dramatic mm. bittersweet yeah i think you genuinely considered like a five-star classic yeah, all, isn't it? it is mm. absolutely and and the pair of them are just great in it mm. he didn't make a lot of bad films with really, he was he was pretty reliable yeah he was i think towards the end maybe kind of tailed off a little bit yeah. towards the end of his career but he was it when he made the apartment and some like it hot he was sort of really churning out top quality stuff yeah. mm. sort of from Probably lasting from sort of the end of the war until early sixties. Yeah. Never missed a beat. It was just fantastic all the way through. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some like it hot, which is uh, what's all that one about? Right. Well, that's again Jack Lemmon um, and Tony Curtis, and they play musicians, and they inadvertently witness um, a, a mob killing, and so they go on the run, so that they can't be found. But to, in order to do so, they they dress as women so that they join an all girl band right. <laughs> of which Marilyn Monroe plays the plays the lead singer right um, so it's kind of about that but then obviously the, the two guys have got a massive crush on Marilyn Monroe yeah. and it's, it's so funny because it just sounds like a really obvious gag now but it's so cleverly done and the lines I mean there's that scene where Jack Lemon is in bed in a sleeping compartment on a train and Marilyn Monroe gets in bed with him and the, the expression on his face and how he's like really uncomfortable with it because he wants to do other things <laughs> than like be her girlfriend yeah. um, it's, it's just fantastic I think it says a lot that no one has ever dared remake this yeah. because it's so perfect you, could, mm. you just couldn't it's untouchable it's like remaking E.T. or the original Star Wars or whatever or Rocky IV well, <laughs> yeah, although many would say that Rocky Four was remade as Rocky Five, like Rocky Balboa, no, no, no. Creed, Creed Two. I think I'd have to say Rocky Four is maybe my favourite Christmas film as well. So. <laughs> well, anyway, Chris, do yourself a favour and watch the apartment. Like Roger's face is an absolute picture. Rocky Four is the only uh, Rocky film I've ever seen at the cinema. Oh dear, I saw it twice. Uh, I vaguely remember enjoying it at the time. Although I was a lot younger and I had a <laughs> pair and sanity. <sighs> anyway, Monday the 30th, BBC 2, 1pm and 3pm. That's the Billy Wilder double bill. And I think last on the films list is Mission Impossible Fallout on New Year's Day at the Channel 4 at 9pm. 
Um, I'm going to leave this up to you to answer me when you've seen it. I can't stand Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Well, I'm amazed that, I mean, I know uh, there's, there's that kind of thing about you can stick a film on on New Year's Day just because you're into a new year. And therefore, there's that limit, isn't there, that they can put a certain film on within two or three years. Mm. So obviously, they always put the big blockbusters on New Year's Day to, to kind of get around that. I saw this at the cinema in August last year, yeah. 2018. Yeah. And in fact, it's already on TV. It's I was, phenomenal. I was quite surprised it was on so soon as well. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm thrilled because I absolutely love this film. In yeah. 2018, it was my favourite thing that I saw at the cinema. I might enjoy it if it had got some really than Tom Cruise in it, but I've got a severe allergy to yeah. Tom Cruise. That's fine. That's fine. He's not for all tastes. But I, no. I absolutely love the Mission Impossible saga. Not least uh, since J.J. Abrams took over as producer. Yeah, well, so, he directed the third one as well, didn't he? That was he, his first big Hollywood gig. That he uh, didn't. Oh, he did direct the third one. Sorry, mm. right? Yeah, that was his. Like you say, he. Um, that was the one that gave him Star Trek and the Star Wars franchises. Yeah. So, because the story behind that, I think, was when Lost debuted on TV, yeah. Tom Cruise was watching and thought, "This is amazing. Who's this JJ Abrams yeah, yeah. guy?" I got him on the phone. I was like, "Come do a Mission Impossible." He's like, "Really? You sure?" I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, come do it. Come do it." Mm. So and, and even mm. at the time, I thought, "Really, JJ Abrams? The yeah, guy that did Alias." Mm. but Cruz was absolutely on the money because you know the guy cuts films like nobody I've ever seen you know he'll cut stuff in a mid-sentence just for the sake of that energy and mm. that's what made the original Star Trek as in 2009 version work Fallout is really interesting because it's the follow-up to my fav- one of my favourite thrillers of the decade which is Rogue Nation yeah mm. amazing film every time it's on I have to watch it even if it's only the scene at the Opera House, which for me is one of the all-time greatest action scenes ever ever filmed. And this is, um, it's not bad. It's overlong. There's too many supporting characters. It is definitely too long, I, w- yeah. I would say that. Um, I, some of the action scenes in it oh, are it's amazing. Great. It's great. I mean, the, the chase in London, again, weirdly, um, we were mentioning Guardians of the Galaxy earlier, mm. uh, that takes place in the same area. Yeah. You know, right by Millennium Bridge, which I know is one of the favourite sort of areas for uh, for filmmakers. On the Ox Hotel, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it's great as well, isn't it? Cruise being Cruise, of course, he has to do all his own stunts, mm. even but though he's probably about 56 now and he, he probably should know better. In this one, uh, they do one in Paris as well, don't they? Where he's on a motorbike, is that this yeah, one? Yeah, which is absolutely that amazing is, as well. That is phenomenal. Yeah, because if you've been to Paris and then you see what they're actually doing on the streets, it's not like Inspector, the James Bond film, you know, where they're doing an, a car chase on the streets of Rome and there's no cars anywhere mm-hmm. to be seen and it looks yeah. as though Rome is an empty city. Yeah. Well, this is doing it in Paris in like the middle of the day and there's people it's, and cars everywhere. And the fact that they're able to do it is just incredible. To be specific about it, it's the best action scene you shot in Paris since uh, Ronin. Yeah, in the nineties, and mm. that was one of the landmark action scenes set in Europe. And this is this is surpasses it. Yeah, the, the skydiving scene as well, which they do. Skydiving's great, Absolutely and again, great he didn't need to do the halo jump, no. but he did it, and it's anyway, amazing again, which is really good. Um, had they trimmed twenty minutes out of it, it would have helped enormously. Yeah, it's great to see Michelle Monaghan back for the first time properly since MI3. Mm. She had a bit part in London afterwards. She was in it for like five seconds. That doesn't really count. Yeah. Simon Pegg, I adore. I, I think his comic timing is second to none. And I know a lot of people think, yeah, he's, he's all right, you know, but he can really hold a dramatic scenes as well, mm. as he proved in Rogue Nation. And um, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, don't get started on Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson because she's. <laughs> Marvellous, and I was so thrilled when she came back as Ilsa Faris. Yeah, little known fact for you as well. Um, she and I have the exact same birthday, so is that right? only with the exact same age. 
Here's another little known fact. Her mum's leg is on one of the back of the Albert albums. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's how trivia do you know. But, um, Henry yeah. Cavill is old. Who? I was going to say you've not mentioned Henry Cavill. No, yeah. this. Henry, yeah. Henry Cavill, whose moustache caused problems with this. I was going to say, is that why yeah. It is, yeah. Or, yeah. So, because the funny thing about that as well, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but obviously he wasn't allowed to shave his moustache off for reshoots of Justice League because yeah. he needed it for Mission Impossible. So then they had to go down the whole route CGIing it. But yeah. then it was during filming, Tom Cruise broke his ankle. And so then he would have actually been able to shave his moustache off and it would have grown back in time. Oh, yeah. So, but they ended up paying about two or three million to uh, CGI his moustache out in Justice League and it looked uh, terrible as well. Amazing. Uh, there's some great shots in New Zealand as well, which is a double in for, uh, I can't remember where they shoot. Is it Outer Mongolia or something? Uh, oh, Kashmir, I think. Kashmir, maybe. there you yeah. go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great watch. Like I say, it's not as good as uh, NYU. Was it Rogue Nation? Is yeah, five? yeah. That's five, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I, th- I, I would say Rogue Nation is the best one, mm. but this is not too far behind it. Like I say, it's maybe just a bit long, but it's because there's so much in it. So much, I mean, there's yeah. quite a few fight scenes and action scenes that we haven't mentioned. It's, yeah, and you, there's, there's, there's a bathroom fight, which yeah, is phenomenal, yeah. and you know, it goes on and on. Uh, rooftop chase, brilliant. But for my money, watch Rogue Nation. If you're only ever going to see one Mission Impossible film, Rogue Nation. Uh, but now Cruz, I think they're doing two more, aren't they? Back to back. Yeah, they are with Chris McQuarrie writing and directing. Who yeah. is obviously, uh, you know, the, the man with the uh, the golden touch, really, because mm. he, he's such a great screenwriter. But he's proved himself a great action director as well. I would actually say that the series, like you, from three, is getting better and better. Four, um, four wasn't great for my money. It was a bit flabby. And it was a bit weird. Mm. But not weird. Not. Um, it was just a bit thin in places. I do hope Jeremy Renner comes back because that's a big thing that's missing from this. Mm. Ren- Renner was off probably doing other bits and bobs. Um, so hopefully he'll come back for whatever the next one is. Is it seven and eight? Yeah. So by which time Cruise will be about 58, 59. So, but you know, he's obviously still enjoying himself and that's mm. the main thing. So if, if you can maybe tell, we're quite excited about this. We are quite excited. This, so. yes. Yeah, yeah. Tune in and watch. I'm getting, mm. I'm fulfilling your usual role. <laughs> yeah, just, just not nonplussed and no. Uh, <laughs> so that's Mission Impossible Fallout on New Year's Day on Channel 4 at 9pm. Next up, we're going to give you a taste of what we've been watching uh, over the past 12 months. Now, I've watched three things, I think, which uh, have really stood out. Uh, first up being the second series of Killing Eve, mm. which I know a lot of people didn't think that it lived up to the promise of the first, but actually I think I preferred it. I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. There were some amazing moments in it. They, um, when she kills the woman uh, on the street uh, and the truck comes and hits her, oh, like, I yeah. couldn't believe that. I yeah. practically shouting out. It was great. It was a proper goggle box moment it where really was, they, they yeah. used those moments to kind of get an instant reaction and fair play to them because that scene was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fantastic. So uh, that, that's my first highlight of the year. The second is uh, Years and Years, which was Russell T. Davis's uh, return. That's good because I still haven't seen it. Well, I kind of I wasn't sure whether I was gonna like it or not, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot. Right. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's about it's following a, a, a one particular family um, over a period of years and years, believe yeah. it or not, um, and kind of how politics impacts on them and, and things like that. Mm. And it's kind of it's an alt universe, yeah. but it is scarily it could happen. You right. Know, it, 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 I, quite I, prophetic. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm living in an open yeah. universe right now. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a, a really great cast Anne Reid, Russell Torrey, and people like that in it. 
uh, Jessica Hines, and I stuck with it because the first couple of episodes were a bit, yeah, it's not bad. But by the end, it was just great. It was yeah. fantastic, really thought provoking, yeah. and it does end, thank God, on a bit of a positive note. Good. Otherwise, you know, you would have been committing suicide at the end of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay, oh, that's good. Hopefully, um, iPlayer will have that at some point. Yeah, wherever they yeah, share them all the ones. So. That'd be good. And uh, finally, <laughs> my true highlight of the year, Van der Valk. Wow. Which uh, was on Talking Pictures TV a few months back. <laughs> That's and interesting. I became absolutely obsessed with it, uh, to the point where nothing else has taken its place in my yeah. life. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I just got hooked on it. You know, a 70s series about a, a detective based in Amsterdam starring Barry Foster. I, I don't even know what it is that I really like about it. I just got really hooked on it. It has got the, one of the greatest all-time themes ever. Yes, it has, yes. Hands down, brilliant. So anyway, that's my three highlights of the year. What about you, Rod? Okay, so it's interesting, isn't it? You, you look back on the last 12 months and you, you're just trying to pinpoint the two or three that really stuck out. And um, I've, got to, I've got to say Fleabag, which I've been waiting for for at least three years. I know you're, you're not a massive fan of Sarah, no, which, you, not which not is perfectly fine. I can understand it. It's very dark, it can be quite cynical, but you know, at the heart of it, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, pushing the envelope when it comes to jet black comedy mm. and quite touching as well in places and I think this was the series that really gave us a chance to see what the other guys could do people like Sean Clifford who is I'm sure being courted right now to be in some bigger standalone projects and uh, you know I think she was quite right to kind of pull the plug now yeah I'd say so as well because mm. and yeah, the the um, the hot priest inverted commas uh, Andrew Scott was quite a sensation wasn't he mm. um but it was just a really interesting uh, follow-up. and I, I guess because I was such a fan of the original, I thought, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off, whether it's going to sort of, you know, the gag's going to have worn thin, whether you like the original or not. And yeah, she, she did a brilliant uh, take. What I hated was uh, the fact that Andrew Scott's character was breaking the fourth wall as well. I felt a little bit like this is pushing it a little bit. I did like the bit though where as Phoebe Waller-Bridge Fleabag was talking to the camera and mm. she's like, where did you just go out there? And I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's amazing. I didn't see that. Yeah, really yeah. So that's that's definitely one of them. Um, I will just add this one little mention of uh, Ricky Gervais's Afterlife as well, which I've never had such an emotional reaction to a TV show ever. That was on Netflix. Um, and right now, uh, we've just had the final episode of Watchmen, which has been, for me, one of the great joys of the year um, because I'm such a fan of the comic having seen it you know read the comic twice over the course of 20 or 30 odd years didn't take me that long to read it each time I might <laughs> although it's one of those books that you really can savour and um, when the Zack Snyder film came out 10 years ago he kind of got the, the feel of the look of it and the style but not quite the depth or the, the meaning behind things and the way uh, Damon Lindelof has, has taken this and uh, you know done this uh, sequel if you like set 30 years after has been phenomenal and I think you're probably a bit of a fan as well aren't you? huge fan it's not only my highlight of the year but highlight of many years I would yeah, say right. I'm quite surprised because I hated the first episode yeah I, I just, it was such a slow burn it really was yeah and it's not the fact that there wasn't much exposition in it because I don't like it when they're just heavy exposition like mm-hmm. um, recently on E4 I think they showed the first episode of the latest Star Trek series right. which I can't remember what they call it but Discovery, Discovery. Discovery yeah that's dreadful for exposition where they just yeah. stand like oh you're not in Burnham and you're like really yeah just, no go away that's terrible yeah, yeah. but yeah for, I, I didn't think it, it gave enough the first episode of Watchmen yeah. it, it left you not a, a little bit too clueless as to what was going on and yeah. why things are happening and stuff but 
it soon gets going from episode two onwards and I, I can't pick a favourite episode but yeah. there's a good of the nine episodes around, I would say six of those episodes are the best TV there's been in years yeah no, that, mm. it's, it's been great and I'll just throw another little one in for uh, The Crown <laughs> not, <laughs> not not the queen. normally at this point I say The Queen because I can't <laughs> fresh up to, yeah. but uh, The Crown Series 3 bear in mind I was never that bothered about the other two series on Netflix The Crown Series 3 has been phenomenal mm. and uh just, you know, BAFTA's go all come, come spring, and I'm sure a few Emmys as well. So mm. that's my uh, pick of the bunch. Right, I'll try and rattle through a few because a few things have come to mind. Um, obviously, I'm quite into politics and interesting, mm. not political myself, but I'm very much into politics and find it interesting. Uh, so I obviously watched The West Wing, um, every episode of it. It was like 156 episodes. I watched wow. it every about six, uh, 16 weeks on the Sky Atlantic or so. Nice. Seen it many times before, but I absolutely love the programme. And it's, considering the age we're living now, it's quite an idealistic version of what you would hope politics and politicians could be like so um, of that and anything like Aaron Sorkin if you was to write a shopping list and film that I'd probably watch that though yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, but thinking about the current political climate as it is there's been quite a few decent documentaries about Brexit on the BBC and I think Channel 4 had one yeah. uh, the BBC also showed a three part series all about China and their prominence in the world and their rise to power and all, the whole Belt and Road yeah. thing that they're doing and their influence and stuff which is really good uh, recently there was a three part series on the Assad regime in Syria okay. um, which taught me loads of things I didn't know and that was probably the most fascinating thing I've seen all year I would yeah. say in terms of documentaries so that was oh. very good yeah. uh, in terms of dramas I think way back at the start of this year Line of Duty I think was on yeah. BBC I forgot yeah. the Line of Duty yeah, yeah which was really good um, I came to these late I didn't watch them originally but mm. I binged them on Netflix last year Yeah. so really couldn't wait for this mm. uh, latest series especially after Bodyguard last year as well, yeah. which was very good um, and even though this series of Line of Duty maybe wasn't as good as previous series, it was still absolutely gripping. Still must see yeah, and I couldn't wait for it to come along each there, week. There was a certain so. element, I think, of what they call retconning, which is basically making things fit. Yeah, after the fact. Like, yeah. it, like it was all part of one big plan. Yeah, which I wasn't too keen on, no. to be honest. So, but having said that, it was still magnificent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and all the interrogation yeah. scenes and uh, yeah. Adrian Dunbar as well, who was absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, I couldn't get enough of that. Um, and another thing which neither of you two mentioned, I know Sarah won't because she's not a fan, but the Game of the Thrones fan. Came the, to a the, game, the Game of the Thrones the game again. Of the Thrones. How did I mention? How did I not mention that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Which I know, among a lot of fans, it wasn't exactly popular, and it didn't give them the finish that they were hoping for. Even though no one can actually determine what, how they thought it should have ended and what had been better, they just yeah. still say, "Well, it could have been better, but I don't know how." Um, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I still think yeah, it's I, some of the best things on TV. I thought it was magnificent. Yeah. And, yeah, and now that the series has finished, if you take the thing as a whole, I would say Game of Thrones is probably top five of all time I'd say completely done and things uh, on TV that nothing else has ever done before 100% and uh, I love the fact that I'm still hungry for more so that when the prequel series uh, eventually does see the light of day and mm. the Jane Goldman one has fallen by the wayside uh, I'll be well up for it and I think that's better to leave people hungry for more than, than just tie everything up really but it was a wonderful series and the mm. cast was great the effects were incredible the direction off the scale yeah I'm glad you mentioned that actually mm. Yeah, easy to forget because I think it was back in like April. Yeah. It seems like a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there has actually been a lot on TV. I, I think one of the things I was struggling to think about was what I've actually stuck with because I've tried yeah. to give so many different things a go, and yeah. within one or two episodes, I just thought, no, not for me. So like, I couldn't get into his dark materials. Yeah. Um, even though I really love the books, and I was expecting a lot from it. Yeah, just I don't know. Just, I didn't really think it was for me. It was just a bit. A bit tween, a bit too long. I, I, I stopped after episode five. I haven't even started. Yet. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's just all building up on the no, and, and we spoke about it, didn't we? We gave we it did, quite yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, prominence yeah. to it's not like It's not it. like it's not brilliantly made and the cast isn't great. It's just for some reason I'm like, do I really want to watch it? 
But that's the great thing about Christmas, isn't it? You can, you know, mm. if you're still a morning player, you can just settle back and binge watch what you like, really. Like another thing I gave up on Sanditon. Um, I thought that was going to be really good. I love anything Jim Nottingham related kind of thing. No. Yeah, I gave it two episodes and just thought, no, nah, it's not really good. So no. that one, by the way, I did hear bad things about that in general, actually, from quite a few people. Yeah. It was a bit pants. Mm. So I think there have probably been as many misses as there has been hits for me yeah. this year. But yeah. certainly Line of Duty, Game of Thrones, and obviously Watchmen. Um, those three things alone make it a really good year in TV for me, I would say. I really enjoyed the Netflix stuff as well, the deep dives into the crime drama, you know, the, um, oh, the true crime, true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Netflix has really come into its own. I've been playing catch up with a lot of stuff like the Jinx and uh, how, what was that thing about Ted Bundy as well, which was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, those guys, the fact that they can just devote eight or ten hours to something and you can just stream it, I mean, one after the other. And, and do is is phenomenal and that's TV at its best really mm. and I think that's why I get quite annoyed these days when I'm watching a film and there's adverts in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and, and I just mentioned the Robbie Williams thing recently the Christmas special that was seven minutes into that show before there was an advert yeah. Yeah. and you wonder why people are defecting to other channels you know yeah. mm. okay last up then today our um it's a little bit of a roundup of things that we can expect in the first full week of January because we're going to be off air for a couple of weeks. Um, so, just a quick heads up, really. There's lots of shiny floor shows starting on the Saturday and yeah. Sunday night. Lots of what? Shiny floor shows. Shiny floor shows? Yeah, you know, like your big entertainment extravaganzas. Usually presented by John Barrowman and uh, some sort of random yeah. game that you've got so to get around. If I tell you what they are, then right you'll, ahead, you'll, yeah. you'll get the you'll <laughs> you'll, get I'll get clue in it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's like The Voice UK starts on Saturday the 4th on ITV at 8.30pm. Not for me. Um, Greatest Dancer, BBC One, also Saturday 4th at 7pm. Dancing on Ice is on Sunday the 5th at ITV at 6pm. That's where very shiny floor. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, but the big sort of new one is The Masked Singer, which is on Saturday the 4th on ITV at 7pm, which is like, uh, it's sort of... Blindfolded karaoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my is it, god! Is this a case of like it's like the voice, and he's got a mask on? And yeah, you've got kind to of. Well, they're celebrities, so you have to guess who they are. So yeah, it's kind of. Like, so it's kind that of. That sounds fun. like fun. Well, the, you know, in, the, like, in the voice, the blind, <laughs> in the voice, the blind auditions are the best part. Yeah, completely. So it's kind of taking the best part of the voice and adding celebrities in masks. I, this sounds like... I know, I'm, not, I'm saying that and I'm not convincing myself. This, this sounds like one of those formats that's been developed in Holland and sold around the world. But it's, in Endemol or something I think like it's like South Korea or something oh, okay. like that. Um, it, it has that feel of an international show that's been developed overseas and then, and then sold everywhere, like the US and yeah. wherever. Uh, but yeah, if it works, great. I'll be all, all for it. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's <laughs> those are the shiny floor shows. So now, Chris, have you got the grasp of what that is? I have, and I know that I will be avoiding every single one. <laughs> well, there are quite a few dramas in that week. It's, it's January, so Silent Witness is back. That's always on in yeah. January. That's on Tuesday and Wednesday on BBC One at 9pm. Um, Death in Paradise is also back. That's on oh, Thursday on BBC One at 9pm. Nearly always on in January. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adol O'Hanlon does start the series, yeah. but then he leaves eventually, and Ralph Little takes yeah. over as the... The British cop abroad. Uh, Grandchester is back on Friday on ITV at 9pm. But there are two new ones. White House Farm is on uh, Wednesday on ITV at 9pm, that first week in January. That's the story of uh, Jeremy Bamber, the killer. 
Oh, so right. another murder, okay. murder crime drama, that's the phrase I'm looking for. So Amelia Fox is in Silent Witness, but her brother Freddie is playing Jeremy Bamber in Lighthouse Farm. Oh, right, okay. And then um, Deadwater Fell is on Friday on Channel 4 at 9pm. That's another crime drama, but a fictional one this mm. time. And it's got David Tennant in it. Which would be reason enough to tune in for me. Well, on me. But I suspect for different reasons. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, that's, um, that looks really good, actually. He plays sort of a family man, or supposedly a devoted family man, but then his wife and his kids are killed in a fire, and it's sort of digging... Right, right. One of those kind of things. He loves those uh, dark dramas, doesn't he? He does indeed. So that's it for the first week in January. Yeah, and uh, as this podcast has gone on for so long, it's actually now nearly 2021. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening anyway, and you have been listening to Sarah Morgan, Chris Daniel, and Roger Crow, and happy Christmas. And a happy new year. Yes, bye. 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 Bye.